Okay, hi everyone, welcome to the Polygon Forest. I am Vin. I'm Chris. Uh, let's do this. So today we're going to be talking about what are we going to be talking about? We are going to be talking about the death of the PlayStation Store and some of their platforms, but also the uh, Super Switch or the Switch XL or the Switch Pro, whatever the hell you want to talk, want to call it. 4K so, Switch. 4K Switch. Yeah, the, all the all the rumors are, are flying around about that thing. And we're also going to be talking a little bit about Idea Xbox. Uh, they had a little bit of a showcase today. But first, uh, Chris, what have you been playing this week, man? I have been playing. Um... What is that game called again? Uh, video game. Horizons Dawn? Zero Dawn? Horizons Dawn. Yeah, Horizons that's, Dawn. That's Dawn. With the, the lady. Horizon, Horizon Zero Dawn. That's on it. The, uh, on the PlayStation 4, right? That is that on the PlayStation 4 Pro. That is a good game. Isn't that it? Was released in 2017. I looked yep. it up because I was like, when was this released? Because I knew it. I knew it was been around. But like, that's an old game. And it's looking like on par with Ghost of Tsushima to me. I believe it. I mean, it was my game of the year when I played it. I, I thought it outdid Breath of the Wild in a few different ways, but people can disagree yeah. about that for obvious reasons. But yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. Absolutely stellar it's, game. It's, the balance is great. The tra like Just traveling around is silky smooth. Like I think that, that there should be a whole category for like travel in games. Right. And that would win. That would win the like decade achievement of i think tourism. i think with that game uh they pushed the uh playstation 4 that was sort of the spearhead for the ps4 pro mm. so like the whole like the 4k upscale and all that sort of stuff they really they really like ran with that game specifically so i can imagine like you're like as a ps4 pro owner like you're you're probably seeing the benefits from that right yes yeah and the tv's doing a bit as well Same. right yeah you got the nice uh, 4k hdr like fancy pants yeah. tv going right it does its own bit of upscaling as well so yeah 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 so the no, it's it's, awesome. it's good that the game's upholding though like i was i was a little bit worried about it because i haven't played it since i finished it the first time around got the platinum walked away from it it's been living in the back of my head rent free yeah. for the past few years so i'm glad that you're enjoying it yeah there's just a few tiny little glitches and stuff that you get on every game that's you know open world games open um, world games yeah but yeah. Tiny, tiny in comparison to some stuff I've been playing this year. Won't yeah. won't talk about them anymore. We've already talked about them. Yeah, no, I was. <laughs> I remember being really impressed with um, Horizon Zero Dawn just purely because of the um, like the facial animation quality and stuff, and how people looked at the time. Like I'm, yeah. I'm always a little bit worried. Like if I go back and look at that stuff, like was it just like the first one that really did it well, like in an open world, or is it is it still look good now? It does, and the la there's like hardly any lag between the selection of the comment and the playing of the animation it feels it feels really really silky smooth like yeah. you don't know i didn't notice there was there wasn't a lag until in other games until you go my god that conversation flowed really well yeah so yeah what I, I remember yeah the, like the combat in that game was just absolutely phenomenal like once you get into the loop of like the real flow of like using the right arrowheads and, and things like that and and when you start sliding under like the, the big t-rex like uh robots and stuff like when that's yeah. sort it's it's amazing it's some of the fights you get into you just come out the other side of it. it's like i don't think i've ever like had that much fun in a video game in terms of combat yeah. so and yeah. the giraffes it's like there's a giraffe so you can climb and so good how stand on its head oh i saw it in the in the advert and i saw it in gameplay and stuff but 
the way it actually is in game is difficult to describe and like the, just the technical achievement of that i'm just impressed with like yeah i think uh, yeah i think like the whole combat situation and how uh dialogue worked and stuff i think that was what put me over the edge of it being better than breath of the wild just mm. purely because it felt like a coherent world in terms of the thing that you're doing over and over and over again is is fun whereas like in, in breath of the wild like the the combat is like the worst thing about that game in my right. opinion and miles ahead with uh breath of the uh, with um horizon zero dawn just yeah. like the combat alone was just something that really drove me through until the end i put like 100 hours in that game i did absolutely everything every single marker all the dlc such a great game well i got the Mob complete edition it. with the playstation stay at home incentive thing where it's for free so it's cost me like nine quid for the monthly playstation subscription ridiculous and i've got such everything good value. I, yeah it's the best it's like it's 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 just i can't put words to it really yeah, happy yeah. with it great game absolutely yeah. great game so what are you playing uh i've been playing God, i've been playing a few things but i think like the main thing that i've been putting time into over the last couple of weeks i've been going through the uh, master chief collection oh. um, replaying halo at the moment um which i haven't done in god knows how many years probably same before before the xbox one came out so xbox 360 was probably the last time i touched these games right so yeah so diving but, back in and seeing seeing if they hold play, up do you play ODS, odst i'm actually on that one right now i yeah. did play it at the time and i'm playing through that right now and i remember it like i enjoyed it a lot more the first time like it's not oh. it, that that's the one that hasn't held up probably the best in my opinion but okay. like everyone will probably argue with that like a lot of people really love odst because of, yeah. of how much it was trying to do differently yeah um just sort of like the open world nature of it and like you can just go anywhere in this map almost like a metroidvania sort of thing it was really strange yeah it was definitely different uh, i i did appreciate that i remember enjoying it at the time i remember just mm. liking the look of it and the fact that it was difficult to see sometimes that was kind of a, an interesting dynamic um, yeah which i thought was design and not oh i can't see where i'm going i can't see what i'm doing yeah this is a terrible game i think that they knew that that was it's yeah they were mixing it up they were know. trying some other stuff and yeah. it, it's it's fascinating because like the way that i played them when i was younger i was absolutely obsessed with halo like halo 1 came out and then like i, I read everything that i could and then halo 2 came out and it was like that whole explosion with the multiplayer mm. and then i read the uh the fall of reach book and like just all of like the the fiction that they put out for it and stuff so at the time mm. I was just consuming all of this stuff constantly so when the next one came out i was always like really excited about it and it was it seemed really deep and stuff and now it's just like i've kind of taken a step back from all of that after the xbox 360 i've still never played halo 5 which is apparently like the worst one anyway so i kind of dodged that bullet up until now because i'm probably going to get into it like before halo infinite comes out and that's pretty much why i'm playing the master chief collection mm. played through halo reach halo 1 2 3 and i'm on odst now so like i'm I'm now i'm i'm going out with the uh what i considered the best halo games going into like the worst halo games as well. so <laughs> yeah yeah so you started I, the wrong way around right exactly so there's, yeah there's we'll this one audio thing you know you go around and you collect audio tapes there's this one oh, that just on, is in, in odst you mean? in odst right where the guy says kebab about four or five times in this video <laughs> i know which one you're talking about yeah. and it just is in my i mean it's how many years it's been in there it's Still been in my up. head it's rattling around like the way he's just trying to get this girl to eat a kebab right yeah please have a kebab right yeah i remember that guy and i was like he's saying kebab wrong 
<laughs> that's that's an Americanism. That's how you know oh, when right. the voice actors screw up. Because um, the guy's meant to be South African, so it's I think he should South have. African, so should have said Quebec. Yeah, I should have said it right. Yeah, unquote, right. correctly. Like we, yeah. we could be saying it wrong. I, 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 no idea. I'm guessing it's right because we've got a load of people in England but that are hasn't got no in it, native it? to that language, I'm guessing. I'm not sure. So yeah. like the way, yeah, I mean, the way that Americans say it, like my wife's American, she says kebab. And I'm just like, it's kebab, it's got an A in it. What are you talking about? It makes that's, it, I mean, it's, it's questionable meat as it is. And you don't want to <laughs> go anywhere near a human name with that. Right. Just Bob. Gonna, Bob. So, get named after such a horrible meat. <laughs> kebab. Come on, Bob. Right. That's a tangent if I've ever seen one. All right, uh, we should move on anyway. Um, moving on into the uh, the news. So number one on the list is the death of the PlayStation Store, the PlayStation Store, if I can talk today, on the PSP, PS VR, and the PS3. Yep. This is kind of big news, um, kind of. It's sad uh, it's, news. It's big, sad. News sad. It- sad, but predictable. Uh, okay, so according to thegamer.com, I've never read their website, but apparently they are citing unnamed sources that the PS3 and the PSP store is closing on July 2nd, followed by the closure of the PlayStation Vita's storefront on August 27th. Uh, with Sony not taking any requests for comment, it's more than likely to be true. Yeah. Uh, the closures mark the end of Sony's presence in the handheld market and also restricts the selection of PS3 games to the stream and platform, um, for which is currently called playstation now um the move once again calls into question the whole practice that sony does with sort of backwards compatibility and um sony fans are sort of all over the place with the discussion of this so yeah um kind of a kind of a weird situation which we you know everyone's kind of seen it coming but it, it's sort of a bummer right it is a bummer but it on the flip side just playing devil's advocate like do you yep. i mean you're playing i mean at the moment now you're playing old games aren't you so you're yep. playing old old xbox games so you're a, a good example of where backwards compatibility is good so you're playing that on your new xbox right yep so i don't i'm the kind of gamer that plays one game and then never plays a game again this is the first time in my whole gaming career where i've not been playing on the most recent generation and flipped mm-hmm. between flipped between um major manufacturers to play not the most recent generation so it's odd for me because i'm playing horizon zero dawn but it's on the console that it was designed for but i don't play many backwards compatibility titles and i never have done and yeah i don't think no i know to. i know i'm sort of the weird rare creature i guess like i play a lot of old games like i i play a lot of retro games i play anything like on my series x right now like this i think this is the bummer is because we've got this sort of example of the opposite that's happening like the way that Mm. xbox uh sort of handling with game pass and uh, backwards compatibility and how they work with all that sort of stuff it's really pro consumer it's great for me like people like me anyway but there's also like the majority of people out there i'm fully aware of like the vast majority probably like only like new games and only play new games yeah so for them to have backwards compatibility probably isn't that financially viable. Yeah. Like on the Xbox platform, it's just a very pro-consumer thing, which people like myself like really enjoy, but I can mm. understand like there's just a lot of people out there that just don't, you know, don't utilize that sort of stuff. So I can sort of see like in the business sense, absolutely, I can I can understand what Sony are doing here and why they needed to do it. Yeah. But it's, it's it just like as a gamer, it just, it hurts a little bit inside, you know, like... 
it, like I want these games to last forever and anyone can play them. Like right now, I well, last week I bought um, Lost Odyssey, which is like an old RPG that was on the Xbox 360. Hmm. I thought, man, I love that game. I'm going to buy it. And I bought it on my Xbox Series X and I can enjoy that and I can play it now. If that yeah. was the if that if the same case was happening on the PlayStation platform, I wouldn't be able to you do that. You wouldn't be able to. And it's you, that sort of option which is getting removed, which is I don't know, I sort of see this as a bummer, but yeah. There's yeah, it's like for PlayStation, it's almost like there's no room for nostalgia and, and things. And they, it's a decision it's a business decision they've made. Like, this isn't gonna make us any money. We think people are still gonna buy Playstations if we don't spend this money doing backwards compatibility. And Xbox have gone we're going to do backwards compatibility. It seems to be playing really well. These are the reasons we're going to be doing it. And it, to me, it seems like to me, I would love the option for backwards compatibility, even though I've not played one. I want the yeah. fact that again, I understand that there's a huge demographic of people that that do like it. And so, yeah, it to me, it kind of is more of a a headline of the Xbox and PlayStation moving further apart from each other it seems like this last generation I think so too. yeah they it, there was not much in between it was just hardware and titles that you could sort of pick and choose maybe uh, you know the headset for playstation um, 100% for me very personally better controller for xbox <laughs> right um yeah i mean it's, you could it's tell uh, between the two but now they're definitely moving in their own directions yeah, it's it's interesting. I was talking about this um, with my uh, wife last night, and just like how this the same thing happens every single generation, where one console does really well, and then uh, the console that did bad sort of have to react and rebound in some like pro consumer way. So mm-hmm. it's just constantly back back and forth between all the generations. And I'm, I'm sort of wondering, is that what's happening at this point right now? Is is Sony sort of done so well off the back of the PlayStation 4, which it is. It's a phenomenal console, like mm. no doubt about it. Are they are they sort of going into this sort of bullishly saying, you know what, like screw backwards compatibility. It doesn't make us any money, so we're not going to do it. Yeah. And it sort of forces people into a new generation of um, of the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5 ecosystem only. And, and let's just get rid of... Uh, PlayStation One, Two, and Three, as well as the the handheld market, like just push all them people out to make them sort of get into this new ecosystem. It's it's that sort of thing. Like, is that is that necessarily a like they're probably right, and I agree. Like, that's probably the the best business practice to run forward with. But just in terms of like, I wonder how much backlash they're going to get for this, if anything. Like, I probably not much. But I'm, I, like I said, I'm one of them weird people that sort of enjoys backwards compatibility, but I know I'm in yeah. the vast minority. That's the only thing. Yeah. On paper, yeah, those numbers say that there's not many people that are like you, I think. Right. To me, though, it's a dangerous game that PlayStation are playing. I think it's very dangerous because we know that Xbox have cash. We know that they will do bold, bold brave moves in acquiring IPs and acquiring studios. Right. And they, ha- they have that drive to do that. They could start buying up everything on the market and PlayStation mm-hmm. don't really have a leg to stand on. The only thing stopping them would be the um, the rules around uh, like monopolization, anti-monopoly rules, regulations and things like that. Yeah, so people true. would have to determine whether or not it's a fair and open marketplace. But PlayStation in their last generation had so many IPs that did really well that Xbox seemingly couldn't get the whole hot couldn't get their hands on right. that that 
that's probably why they want it for me in the last generation, you, you could argue. And there's mm-hmm. nothing stopping Xbox doing that in this generation, just buying everything up and then PlayStation don't really have a leg to stand on. Yeah, I, th- I think it's all fair game in that respect. You know, like this PlayStation killed it last gen. Like mm. that's that goes without saying. Um, so like them trying to like bullishly like do these pro-consumer things as well as buying out all these studios is such like it's something they have to do. I get it. Like if they're trying to survive in this market and create this Netflix for video games with Game Pass, what they're trying to do, they're trying to build this platform so it lasts for a long time and everything's backwards compatible and you can just jump in and jump out whenever you want. Yeah. Much like much like Netflix, um, the fact that they're trying to do that is awesome Like for consumers because just the mm. value and what they're actually trying to sell is just, it's immense. Like just Game Pass as a, as a concept is just amazing. And I think the reason why Game Pass works so well at this point is because of the backwards compatibility almost. Like it adds to so many of their numbers in terms of like how many games they've got on Game Pass. The fact that they can just throw in like 10 old Xbox 360 games, which no one's really playing, but it just adds to the value. Like they're yeah. looking at, like consumers are looking at Game Pass like, holy shit, they just yeah. added 20 new games. Even though 15 of them are probably games that they wouldn't have even thought about playing because they're so old or they're just some that they've never heard of and stuff but it's just because it's there it's awesome and it's just playstation i don't know if they can compete with a game pass without that massive back catalog yeah yet anyway like we it remains to be seen if playstation even want to try and compete with game pass i'd imagine they would at some point but yeah it'll be interesting to see if they could do it without a uh without any backwards compatibility especially from the playstation 3 2 or 1 i guess so yeah i mean it is weird. I mean, I have been able to play uh, Uncharted t- mm. Two, which I, which wasn't a, which was a PlayStation Three, wasn't it? Yeah. Thing. Yeah. yeah it was on and I've been able to play 3. that on PS4. So the the big AAA stuff you can still play by the sounds. Of it. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Like the this is the big caveat to all of it, right? So the really really good ones, like the really good games from the PlayStation Three generation, have just inevitably gotten a remaster at some point or they've Mm. got a remake or they've got something like all of the best games on the playstation 3 i would argue there probably isn't any that have been missed off the list that you can't play on playstation 4 through like the the sort of ports and the sort of remasters and remakes that they've done yeah so it's it's not like we're losing any high quality games it's just like in terms there's a lot of conversation around like video games preservation and stuff which people always talk about, which I'm not 100% on board with because the whole preservation of video games is mostly done by pirates anyway. Like the people in the piracy industry that like yeah. can rip and burn that stuff. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's kind of a fascinating uh, conversation from like 20 different standpoints in that it's, respect. So. It's digital media, isn't it? So it's right. got to keep up with the, it's got to keep up with the, yeah i mean this is this is the thing that concerns me really more than anything is the fact that i'm an all um digital gamer like i only download games i don't buy games physically Mm. and i haven't since the playstation 3 so the thing that worries me like half my library on the playstation 3 right now is attached to my account and if they're removing the store like how long is it going to be before they remove the capability to actually download them games because right now like if them they're taking down the store for people that want to buy them games new no. so mm. they can't actually buy them anymore but if you've already bought them then you can probably still download them for a while mm. i'm just worried about what happens that day when it when they when you can't re-download games that you've already bought what what happens then so there's yeah. always that it's unless they bring out some hardware like uh some sort of like the like uh, there was a PlayStation One you could buy, wasn't there? With load of PlayStation One games, maybe they'll yeah, do yeah PS One Classic. 
class one classic, maybe they do the yeah, same. Yeah, I mean, like, this is. Stuff. I made a note of this. Like, I think the only thing that makes me think that they might be doing something like that is the the date that this is happening around, which they're planning to take the uh, the PlayStation Three and the PSP stores on July second. That's mm-hmm. when they go down. Um, that's eerily close to E three and around that season. So if they're going to announce mm. something. The timing sort of lines up. Like, I don't know why they would do that stuff in July. Yeah. Um. So there's always that. They might be announcing something to do with backwards compatibility for the PlayStation 5. Yeah. That is my wishful thinking hat on. I think more than anything that they are probably just pulling the plug on this thing and that's it and it's done. It could but just be that and then lost in the noise of E3. I think so, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, mm. You're right. You know, they could be doing this like while all this other good news is happening. Mm. that's when all the bad stuff happens in the background like they they do that on purpose it's a very strategic thing and it works f- mm. like ridiculously well because then a year later someone's like oh why can't i buy games on ps3 and people are like oh that died a year ago and it's like why didn't anyone like make a noise about this oh, it's because it happened in the middle of all the good stuff happening so no one, yeah. no one noticed were, it people are too excited for a new new right. shiny thing <laughs> yeah yep. no it's, the old shiny things yeah yeah oh they're shiny yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen if, they, if they've if they got any plans in the works for either backwards compatibility or if they end up doing something with so many incredible games that they've got on these platforms. Um, it's mm. a shame, but it's, it, you know, twilight years. You've got, you've got to put this stuff to bed eventually. It's just a shame that, you know, I'm old enough to see it. It brings a tear to my eye. Yeah, same. Like, it feels a bit... Like it makes me feel old, <laughs> that's for sure. Right, that's that's what it does more than anything, right? Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, the the only the only like major thing which it affects me right now with is the fact that the only way you can play PlayStation Three games is through PlayStation Now through a streaming service. Like, there's still no way to play PlayStation Three games on a PS4 or a PS5, like just through straight conversion because of like the how the um, like the processes within the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation 4 are so different. Like the architecture of the systems themselves, like the single cell processor of PlayStation 3 is just really hard to emulate on the new uh, consoles. Probably doable on the PlayStation 5, absolutely. But it remains to be seen if they want to put the time and the effort in for that to be able to actually run these games. But we'll see. It's complicated. It's not simple. It's a simple headline. But when you dive into it, the nuts and bolts of it is actually... There's a lot of yeah, it's like twenty different discussions in one. You mm. know, when this whole thing happens, it's it's not something that's so cut and dry that you can just, oh, this is what's happening. This is the consequence of it. It, mm. it just it it ripples out amongst so many different other issues and yeah. well, I say issues, but like discussions around it. So yeah, some people will be going, "Well, that I've made my mind up. It will definitely be an Xbox that I'll be getting next console." Then yeah, undoubtedly, and there'll yeah. be a huge amount of people that. Will not even skim past it on the news articles yeah they don't care about it just like yeah that's i had a ps3 I, I, it's it's in my closet like i don't i don't play it anymore sort of thing and they just like i just want ps5 games yeah more power to them and i think the majority of people are like that you know yeah. not not in a bad way it's just it's very different gamers like I, i'm one of these weird people that i've gotten every single um classic mini console like i've got my little Nintendo, like nes my little snes and you know my little Mega Drive, and I've got my little PS One, and I'm I'm happy to sit there and play retro games all day. That's but cool. I, I like that. Everyone isn't like that, you know. Yeah. It's just it's the way of the world, as it were. Oh well, oh well. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe uh maybe there'll be a PS Three classic one day. 
fingers crossed. It will be. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. It's just whether or not you care about it enough when it's announced. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. All right, uh, moving on to the next story. The uh, Super Switch XL Pro is incoming. That's a joke title. It's not actually called that, by the way. No. So uh, according to... Called, do we? Right. No, we have no idea. I'm, I'm hoping that it's that really long, stupid title of Super Switch Pro XL. That'd be that'd be great. Super I'd duper. Super, super XL duper. Switch, I think. Super duper. You know what? I think you might be right. You're onto yeah. something there. Yeah. So uh, according to Bloomberg News, who breaks absolutely everything these days, I think, uh, the new Switch model will include the new chipset from NVIDIA that supports DLSS, which is deep learning super sampling, if you don't know, which is sort of the feature that is capable of upscaling uh, Nintendo games up to like 4K of docked. So it's pretty much the same technology which is in the PlayStation 4 Pro, Mm. but they're sort of doing it on a handheld level, which is awesome like that'd be really really cool so the new chipset is also reported to increase the cpu and the system memory while this is certainly good news for nintendo fans looking for more power out of their switch it will likely come at a higher price so it's probably going to be upwards towards 399 usd 400 um, something around that i'm not sure how much switches are in the uk right now but it'll be probably about 100 pounds more yeah it's a lot of money uh, so this news comes off the heels of other reports for a potential sort of a seven-inch OLED display, which has come from Samsung. Um, also reported by Bloomberg News um, that that screen is coming. Uh, this is wildly speculated that this would put the system on par with the PlayStation 4 Pro in terms of power, which is I just mentioned. But yeah, how much was it on in Two, the UK stores? Two hundred fifty-nine ninety-nine. Two fifty-nine ninety-nine. So it's probably going up to like three fifty pounds yeah. i would say maybe a little bit less maybe yeah. like th- yeah like 325 or something it's crazy i would lo- i think because i know ne- i never had a switch i've loved all the games that i saw like the big big names like and yep. i've played the switch a few times mario kart 8 is so much fun right and i would love to have one but i've just never had the reason to do it like there's always been like, like we've been talking about there's always something been more shiny and i know yeah. that because it's not like hd it's not the best resolution of the current generation that's always kept me going away from like you know towards playstation and xbox but so this, is this is this a thing that is like on your radar is this appealing to you 100 percent. this is appealing right. to me like especially now that i'm doing the 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 ps4 pro and i was thinking that because of all the trailers and gameplay and stuff's coming out for the ps5 and the new xbox i would have thought that i'd be noticing the difference but i can't i can't notice the difference yeah. Like I'm having a great time at the minute, and if 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 the switch comes along and goes, this is gonna be 4K. I'll be like, yep, yeah, I'll have that. Like 300 quid, 400 quid, over you know 500, 600 quid, setting up for a new PlayStation. For me, that's a no a no brainer. At the moment, it all comes down to the games. Like yeah. to get like, if they released a bundle with like the top five or six. Uh, switch games minus like for me i'm not a huge beat em up fan but i think um, right like smash brothers you mean smash brothers yeah yeah so it's just i don't really want to play with that's all it is um no that's that's fair i I don't play smash brothers either i mean i own a switch at the moment um great little handheld absolutely amazing Mm. um the only problem I ever have with Nintendo stuff is the same one I've always had, which is they rehash a lot of ideas over and over again. Like it feels like you're playing remakes and remasters of the same IP over and over again. 
saying well, that's that Mario, yeah, yeah. Saying that, I've I think Nintendo have had a really good generation so far. Like Mario Odyssey is one of my favorite games from the past like five years. Like it's such a good Mario game. Hmm. Like I I can't praise it enough. So for someone like yourself that can pick this up and play Breath of the Wild and and uh, Mario Odyssey at 4K upscale granted like none of these games yeah. will probably run natively yeah without like just as a massive caveat to all of that like yeah there's a lot of people that are getting excited about the capability of nintendo being like toe-to-toe with um like the playstation 5 or the xbox series x that's not a thing and it's not gonna happen it won't especially be with, on par no not in a million years it'll be on par like as close to the playstation 4 pro as you can get which is ultimately i think like my my speculation is that is their only goal really is to get on par with the PlayStation 4 just purely so they can port a lot of games from last generation to the Switch and make a lot of money off them because Nintendo are quite infamous for sort of porting games and selling them at really high prices. price. This yeah. is the thing. I know it's gonna, like when they did Mario, is it Mario Galaxy 1 and 2? Yeah. It wasn't even, there was something else they missed out and it was quite expensive, wasn't it? Can't yeah. remember what it was now, but there was a lot of, that was in the news about people going, that's a lot of money for Mario. Yeah, it's like five year old game, which is. I mean, and and yeah. every every Nintendo game is like that, unfortunately. I mean, I don't buy that many Switch games because of that reason. Yeah, it's just I'd like to vote with my wallet, and that is my way of telling Nintendo, like, hey, I've got your system. I like your games, but mm. I, I'm not paying. I'm not paying full price for a game that you literally put out and you haven't changed. You're just literally porting it to the Switch from the Wii U. Mm and you're charging full price for it like that's not on i'm sorry i'm not going to buy it and yeah. there's a lot of games i haven't bought which i want to buy but i just i can't i can't swallow it so they have to yeah. get the price right if you if because as well there's loads of people whenever the new generation comes out that buy the previous generation like mm-hmm. the mums for their kids they always get the one below that's what it was like when i was growing up anyway and yeah, i think same. it's still the case yeah like oh there's a new console out that means the one below will be cheaper we'll get that one and play that one because yeah. if you're a kid just getting into gaming, you've got a whole generation worth of games. Like I'm in that, I feel like a kid at the moment. I've got like, you know, the kid in the candy shop with the choice yeah. of sweets. That's the, that's the great thing. Years. I mean, you're the perfect candidate for this sort of thing. I mean, it's mm. the people that have missed out on the whole Switch generation so far. And now there's a new piece of hardware coming out that's sort of like on par with what they're sort of used to, which is like higher quality in terms of like resolution and just, you know, what you would expect from the quality of games these days and yep. just seeing all of that and seeing this huge pack this back catalog of stuff that you can play mm. like that have been game of the year contenders like breath of the wild like uh animal crossing like mario odyssey and you're just seeing mm. all this stuff pile up it's kind of hard to say no to after a while so it's very tempting. you're the perfect candidate because yeah. of the amount of content that's available versus the amount of content that's available on ps5 like there's a couple of things that i want to play one of them being the new horizon but it's not even out yet they say it's going to be out this year but we don't know yeah why. i think i think that's going to be their holiday game i think that's going to be that big e3 push this year mm. i think yeah, i think god of war is never going to make it this year like god of war 2 is never going to make it this year i don't think i would well yeah yeah you wouldn't want to be you wouldn't want to crowd it there's there's been no there's only like two or three big games a year isn't there really yeah and there's already been a, fa- a few there's already been what well, um what have we had? So we've had um, Spider Man. Yeah, Miles Morales. Miles they've Morales. Had, so that was uh, kind Demon of Souls. They've had a couple already. Demon Souls, yeah. But they're running out of IPs as well at the same time. So maybe there will be this year. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Shots I don't fired. Know. We'll shots see. Fired. Yeah, shots fired. <laughs> 
<laughs> but, if you mentioned the um, what the talk about the uh, was it seven inch galaxy? Yeah, no. So the self, the seven inch screen has also been reported by Bloomberg. That was a couple of months ago that they reported this, but mm. could, like this sort of fits the the whole ecosystem. So we're starting to get like a good picture of what the the next switch model is probably going to be, mm. which it's probably going to be the same form factor as what we have right now. It's just the screen is going to extend out, so it removes the bezels. So it's going to be edge to edge screen. Oh, probably. I mean. It would be a shame if they made the actual whole unit bigger because mm. the uh, Switch Joy-Con controllers that click into the side, if they can't be interchangeable between the two generations of the Switch, as it were, like if yeah. you can't put the old Joy-Cons on the new Switch, <clears throat> that would suck. Like yeah. that would be a really bad move in my opinion. So hopefully yeah. it's the same form factor. It's just removing the bezels into bigger screen. Because yeah. right now I think it's I think it's a five-inch screen. So it's still quite small, but I think like... At that size, when it comes to like gaming at 720p, it looks phenomenal. Like it looks amazing because yeah. it's such a small screen. Yes. So yeah, there's always that. I like gaming on my P- on my TV though, so I would want to plug Same. it in. Yeah, it's just some games you can't. That's unfortunate, but it's just oh. the way of the world. Like um, I'm, I was playing not too long ago, um, The World Ends with You, which <coughs> is a port. I know. What are the odds? Um, I was playing that and a lot of that is to do with touch controls and if you try and play it on a controller you can they've got options for it it's just not it's yeah. just not great so it, it's some games are better handheld and there's people that will fall into different camps when you get a switch like you don't really know where you land but a lot of the time i play in handheld on my switch just purely because i can and it's hmm. the controller is more comfortable and it's like in the actual thing and you're playing it on the screen yeah but everyone's different if you get a pro controller i'm sure that would you know you'd probably switch that around pretty quick Hmm. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah, probably they called thing. it that, right? That's oh, it. That's it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Be up. So we'll have to wait and see. And for me, it will come down to what's out, what the price is, what games yep. are offering, bundles, that sort of thing. How much money I got available at the time. Yeah, but it's all yeah. it's exciting because for me, my next purchase, video game worldwide, is all to play for still. Awesome. Which, now that, I mean, you're, you, like I said, you are the perfect candidate for this thing. Yeah. So Which I've never had. That's great. I've always known well in advance what I'm going to go for and why. Yeah. And it's been down to what the the facts are, the, you know, what they've said, this is what's going to be, that's what that's going to be. And when you're just yeah. choosing between two very similar hardware models, it's very simple to make a decision. You just compare the two hardware models, compare the whatever IPs are coming out at the time, make a decision. But now it's still unknown, Yeah. which is odd. I think E3 is going to be, I think it's, this E3 is going to be huge. It's going to be an interesting one for sure. I, how big it will be, I'm not so sure. But I mean, I, I it's going to be, I'm, I'm going to be looking for like the big moves that the companies are making rather yes. than like what amazing games are going to get shown. Because we always see amazing games like every year, even on an off year, we get like a couple of games in there that are just like that. I need to play that. Mm. But I think this year I'm going to be looking more for like the, the random side announcements that they make about like how they're handling backwards compatibility and what they're doing with frame boost and on the series X and stuff. And if PlayStation are going to come out with like a counter to a game pass, you know, all this sort of stuff, because that's the stuff that shifts the whole industry and people never really realize it until it happens. Yeah. Like a couple of years ago when Xbox was sort of dancing around the idea of um, buying up studios, when they came out of that one press conference and said, Hey, okay, we bought, Ninja Theory, we've bought these um, 
they bought like 10 studios or something and they just yeah. announced them all at E3 and everyone was like, what the hell? Yeah. And everyone in industry, like all the all the people that were working in our studio were just like, this is crazy yeah. like, what they're doing. But the media just completely slept on it. It was like, yeah. oh yeah, Xbox have bought a few studios. And it's like, you have no idea how big of a, of a deal this is. Yeah. Uh, and they were, they were swinging their weight saying, when the next generation comes along, which is now the Series X, when that comes along, we we mean business like mm. we're not we're not messing around this time like we screwed up on the xbox one and we're gonna correct that and that's yeah. that was the message which was sent to me at that time yeah and i i kept my eye on xbox because i thought they were out for the count i thought yeah they're probably fading out they might not even do a next-gen console for all i know well but, they partnered yeah. with switch for their id at xbox event and that's interesting move as well because they Very. ditched their own one didn't they because that didn't yeah. do well but it was mismanaged uh, from what I understand, but the yeah. fact that they're they're advertising that they're partnering with, with Switch is again Indeed. that's it makes move. you wonder who else they can partner with. You know, so, like uh, if if Xbox turned around and said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna put Steam on Xbox," if they did that, it'd be over, game over, and they could be, do that. That's the thing. I mean, we're getting there in increments and stuff, slowly but surely. But if they I've did been, that, I've been saying E3, this for years. I've been saying this for years. If they did that, the industry's over. It's done. <laughs> so ring the wait. bell. Ding. Sorry, PlayStation. You had a good run. It was fun, but you won the last sorry. round. But you didn't win the war. Yeah. But I like. But yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting. It'd be depending very. on what con. But then for me, then PlayStation would just need to pull out an amazing IP, and I'd be like, oh, right, exactly. Like, yeah. And Last of Us Three comes out. Be, yeah, Ghost of Tsushima Two gets announced, and it's like, oh, all right, God, never mind. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, what I said. Right. Yeah. Sorry, what I said. It's still a play for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, you mentioned like partnerships with Idea Xbox. So I'm bringing it on to the next news story. I guess. Yes. So do you want to kick us off with that? Uh, so yes, Idea Xbox did an indie showcase on the 26th of March, I believe, um, where they went through some of the upcoming in development uh, indie games that cool. are going to be playable on on the Xbox. I had a quick peruse around i didn't have a huge amount of time for um researching even though i'm an indie developer we were just talking about this before the we were recording yeah. we've both done indie games it's difficult for us to get into indie games especially an indie game showcase which is a live streaming like a podcast it's difficult there's one takeaway that i that i looked at and i thought oh that's different that's outside the box that's very interesting which is a game called 12 minutes right i saw this a couple of years ago i think Uh, yeah they they showed this uh um i think it was just like a normal xbox press conference like maybe i think it was last year actually at e3 i think maybe it was there yeah but they only showed like a small teaser trailer of it but as soon as i saw it it was just like that looks different like i'm really like a look at this yeah it looks it for, for so many reasons it stuck out like the other indie games did i mean the, that lineup looked great and the, what they had on display was was awesome you know but yep. this is like um so it's got james mcavoy daisy ridley william defoe so Jesus. that doesn't that, stri- that's a good cast that doesn't scream indie game does it no it was not made really. by like one dev um it's a top down time loop thriller that doesn't tell you how to do things. And you just have to figure stuff out. That to me is just high concept indie game. It's like, it should be its own genre, high concept indie game. Right. Because it's not a play on any other um, like video game 
like category really sells itself as well like you read that off the page like yeah. you don't have to see this thing and it sounds interesting you know yeah so yeah i mean I'm, like, I'm really curious about this game i think i think this might be a sleeper hit sort of thing and not many yeah. people are talking about it but every time i see it i'm just like yeah i am yeah. super interested in that yeah it looks super interesting and that it's the one that stuck out to me and i thought wow and the, the, i love the fact that he, it was difficult for him to explain what it was that means you know it's good right <laughs> it means they've stumbled upon something and they're like oh this is a really good idea yeah because when you but, don't know how to explain something i mean not to blow my own trumpet but like my indie game that i'm making mm-hmm. i find it really hard to talk about because i don't know anything else that does it it's its own kind of genre if you like and it's very unique um yeah. And in indie, you know, on uh, Steam and stuff, you just have the keyword unique. This is going to be a <laughs> unique game. It's like, yeah. it's difficult to explain. Like top down time loop thriller. Yeah, it's strange because like we we know like this, but being like uh, when you're actually making a game itself, you're not. It's not like you come up with like a high concept a lot of the time, and you like you integrate, it and then it just works like that. And you're like, okay, yeah, that was a good idea. Mm. Nine times out of ten, you're you're just trying stuff out in lines of code, or you've come up with like a random feature that doesn't really pertain to the whole high concept of the game, but it just works. And then mm. after a while, you've got like this sort of amalgamation of just like all these weird like different ideas but it sort of works together coherently and then when you've got to try and explain that to other people to try and sell your idea it's it gets harder and harder yeah so it it kind of it kind of feels like one of those things you know yeah so whenever i hear that recognize it i go oh that's interesting so that's kind of like that's right on my street so yeah that's one that i was gonna mention check out the the stream it's still up on on the internet you can have a look at it but that's my kind of major takeaway you didn't you didn't catch it did you no i didn't i, I think it was like three hours long or something right like it was, yeah it was a beast you know it was long. I, I mean we've discussed this before like the whole like indie games are great and i love them and i love playing them like when you come across the really good ones they're they're just as good if not better sometimes than the, the big triple a games hmm. but they're not as easy to sell in terms of a big conference sort of thing like when you put them on a screen they often look not as good because the production value obviously isn't there like in yeah. terms of com- compared to other places like it's still it can still look amazing like the pixel art's done really well and the animation looks tight and stuff but it's it's very hard to make a like a full package that looks mm. to the same quality as a triple a game so it's it's just a lot inherently it's just a lot harder to sell so when you're like just watching these things on a loop for yeah. three hours just over and over and over again like the gameplay might be amazing like how you actually play and like the ideas within them but when you're showing snapshots like in a trailer for an indie game like yeah. some of them just like look absolutely terrible like if, if you showed like a quick snapshot of like a game uh like undertale right quick snapshot don't explain any of the mechanics yeah it's like a random rpg that's kind of like a nes game like everyone would be like yeah that looks terrible like yeah. no one's ever playing that game exactly yeah it's it's like a game of the year contender and it's amazing, but yeah. it's, it's kind of hard to sell. And it's it, I kind of get that feeling with 90% of indie games out there. I think that's because with AAA games, the art and the visual style is always a key selling point because you can put money into it and it takes a lot of money for things to look beautiful and good and great. I agree. Yep. And indie games, a lot of the time, that makes it, what makes a good indie game isn't the art, it's the, a mechanic um and even if it just looks generic or just okay like playing the game will give you a hundred percent more information than looking at a trailer with indie when it comes to indie games with with triple a games i don't think that's as 
much of a divide like overcooked like if i saw a trailer for that i'd never play it but i was like right. i was at a you know games conference and i managed to play it and i was like this is amazing mm-hmm. and it's so it's the it's the simple concept stuff that plays really well that you can't communicate in a trailer you can't yeah, go, i mean it looks fine but trust me it's actually really good you can't just <laughs> do that in a trailer it's true i mean the the main selling point of indie games is often how they play yeah rather than how they look just just how it is uh, one of my favorite games from uh 2018 was a game called bad north which okay. is just like this little island invasion game which is kind of like a really simple strategy game um super low poly um sort of graphics doesn't look fantastic i mean it's got a nice style to it like i really enjoyed it but i can imagine like people looking at it from the outside in mm. would probably think ah, yeah it doesn't look that great mm. such an amazing game It'll like and it's well. really simple and it it explains its mechanics really easily and you just get it and it's one of those games that's easy to pick up and hard to master yeah and so many breakthrough indie games are like that so yes it's kind of it's kind of hard to watch these like like the idea xbox thing was just you get 10 minutes into it and you're like oh god like <laughs> there's only so many pixel art games i can take and i'm and, and i love pixel art so yeah yeah it's it's hard maybe in the future they'll be interactive and it would just be like an hour of 10 minute gameplay wouldn't that be interesting that would be why is it not being done you know like because we got the capability now because we can stream like we can stream um like actual games to people now like you can play them yeah like why not do that you know yeah it could still be like a community event where you could have still presenters and people talking you through things yeah like a live mass demo game demo i would buy more indie games if that happened yeah because the saying that most indie games are designed inherently so you you can pick them up and you pretty much you're playing the game really quickly and easily yeah very seldom do you pick up an indie game where it's just like tutorials you know for the first half an hour like like they do in triple a games because they sort of have to because they're introducing you to this 40 hour sort of beast so they've got to sort of break that down Mm. but for an indie game like a lot of the time like the some of the best indie games i've played are the ones that are finished in like three hours like that that's some of my favorite games because you can just replay them things over and over again they're still great and the discovery of the mechanic is is part of the game it's not a prelude it's it's the experience yeah yeah have you got have you got a uh, have you got a favorite indie game from the past few years um i recently played thomas was alone such an amazing game which i have been putting off for years and Again, I love that game. One, one of those games, if you tried to show that to anyone, they'd just be like, yeah, that looks terrible. It's a bunch of cubes. But yeah. It's squares and rectangles interacting with each other. It looks terrible. Why would you play that? Then you play it and the voiceover and just the stories are just like, this is incredible. Yeah. Like what you can do with a bunch of squares and yeah. rectangles. Like You have emotional you, connection with a with few a pixels fucking, right, on a bananas. screen that can move. So It's good. crazy. So yeah, I've been playing that. That's one of my favorites. Um. Side note, do you remember having Mike Bithell come over and do the... Did we have this conversation already? We, You mentioned it, and I tried to have a good think about it, and I do not remember Mike Bithell. The creator of Thomas was alone, right? Yes, the creator of Thomas yeah, he, was alone. He came, he came to our university and gave a talk. Yes. Something to do with probably game design or something. But yeah. I don't remember a single thing. It was in the second year, so it's okay. We weren't supposed to be paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we were probably drunk or something at that point, I'm sure. Yeah, 
but it was uh, no. we were supposed to be anyway but more importantly it's because it was like 10 years ago that's probably why yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> well, no, yeah no, no offense mike biffle like i'm yeah. sure it was very interesting it's just we or, were very communicative i guess or there's been a memory implanted that you <laughs> that you don't have because ollie also doesn't remember ollie hoff the um right graphic designer that designed their merch recently mm. i was speaking to him he didn't remember it remember it either so it's possible that i've had a false memory implanted it's in my a possibility brain. yeah yeah maybe maybe you just like him that much that i wanted it to yeah right this is getting weird that's it <laughs> yeah what about you indie game what's what, what new games you've been playing uh one that i just mentioned bad north is one of my favorite indie games bad over north. the past few years um hyperlight drifter is another one such an incredible little um sort of a play on a Link to the Past from the SNES, like the Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Very yeah. much that sort of type of game. Um, yeah, but set in sort of like a cyberpunky world, kind of like a Kira-esque, but it's all pixel art and it's very stylized. Very, yeah. very cool little game. And you can get on anything these days. I think it's on every single platform yeah. um, other than the main handhelds. Um, it's on Switch, it's on PS4, it's on uh, Xbox. Like, pick it up. It's, it's yeah. a great little game. That sounds cool. I was... Um... I bought the bundle of was it Journey and Swim, right? And Flower, I think. Uh, flow, not Swim. Flow. So yeah. oh, sorry. So the uh, Flow. Yeah. So the Genova Chen games, right? Yes. Yeah. That was. Yeah, great. Journey. Journey is amazing. Like one of the best. I, the the main reason why I love Journey so much is because it has the balls to only be two hours long. I love that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. It's just like this is a game from start to finish. It's two hours long. Play it, enjoy it, get your thing out of it, and play it again if you want. Or you some to. would say that's the that's the tutorial. Ah, uh, see, now, <laughs> now now it's all getting meta. This is all getting a bit deep. Yeah, no, I love that. One of the things I loved about that game is just the sound design, like where the musical elements are yep. so sewn into the world and the mechanics of the game. That's just. And the, the the and the and the emotion like it's managed to sew those three things together, yeah. In one succinct experience was just like nailed it. Yeah, very uh, very much like uh, my my favorite game of all time is Eco, and it's mm. it's very much in line with the sort of vibes of that game. Yes. So the first time I played Journey, I was like, oh yeah, this is like this guy likes Eco. Oh yeah, like, I know this. He has to like uh, yeah right like I, I've played this game in 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 somewhere in my emotional like mindset somewhere like this he game is right down it. yeah it's got to have done and then i read like a couple of articles a few years later and i was like yeah totally played it oh he yeah, did you know, it was austin austin wintry wasn't it the video game composer that did right that. yeah he did yeah. a really good job of that I, I still listen to that soundtrack sometimes amazing awesome yeah very very cool i'll have to check that out then because i listen to, i quite often listen just put on an austin wintry like spotify playlist so yeah. i'll have to listen yeah, to yeah yeah, I've got the okay. Eco soundtrack as well. Eco. It's it's very minimalist and it it plays off the beats of the game, so it's it's it, it's kind of similar to that respect. So check it out. You're making me want to play that next. Actually, you should Eco is an amazing game. Like everyone should play it. Is <laughs> it on PlayStation Store? Nope. This is the problem. This is a, it's a the only place you can play it now is on PlayStation Now or it's on the PS3. It's a PS2 game, but it was ported over to the PS3. So as we were saying before. This is one of the uh, the victims that fall to it. That's probably why it hits me a little bit harder as well. It's mm. because there's no there's no part there's no remake for the PS4 or the PS5 for that game. Yeah, which is I a mean, shame. It, you know, you're a concept artist working in. Is it the largest video game company in the world? Studio. Yep. 
so largest video game studio in the world. It's your favorite game, and it's not supported on the platform. Makes me sad. That's, I mean, that's a pretty good example of, you know, there's a, there's a good reason to do it, to make backwards compatibility more across the board because we're potentially stunting people from finding something like these little jewels, these gems. Which... Yeah, and it's it's some type of games that I mean, Eco wanted me, made me want to become a game designer. It made me want to work in the games industry. Like the first time I played that game, that was the thing that opened my mind up to just holy shit, this is mm. an art form. Like I want I want to do this for a living, and that was the game that did it. And if we're removing that from like future generations, like from mm. older games or whatever, like the chances of that are extremely slim. Don't get me wrong, but even removing like a slight chance that that could happen kind of sucks yeah i can't think of one particular game that made me want to get into the video game industry Mm. um it would have been something along the lines of um medal of honor or it would have been like um far cry 2 it was around that sort of time that i was like i wish i could do this as like a career interestingly enough it was actually like thomas was alone which made me think I'm going to make my own indie game. Yeah. Like now you can. Now and now I can. Yeah. Mm. Which should I say it made me think I should probably try Unity again to see if it's at a stage where it can support my ability <laughs> right to code. And it at the moment it is. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I think what made the difference between like when when we were going into university, especially like around that time, that's when uh, video games companies started putting out making ofs. Like mm. the making of documentaries of certain games, yeah, and I think that's what kickstarted like the whole idea. Like, oh, this could actually be a job. It's not. It's mm. not just a thing that we consume. It's actually a job. Like we we were used to this over the years from like special features in movies. Like you you go into the DVDs of the Lord of the Rings, for example, and there's like there's like twelve hours of documentaries of how that stuff was made. Yeah, not so much with video games. Like it, it still it still struggles with it these days. I think like because because yeah. everything is so contained and they have to be so secretive with it. Yeah. Um, but it started coming around like around the time that we were in university. That's when they really start kicking off with them sort of documentaries. So that's probably what cemented it really for me. But the idea like to make a game. Or to want to work on games was Eco. I think that was the game that really did it for me. I think that there's definitely. I think you've stumbled across something that there's definitely money in documentaries for uh, for video games. Like I think so too. There's so much like merch. People go all in on merch, but creative people want to understand how things were made. Yeah. yeah, in the movie industry, there's people that spend lots of money on on behind the scenes stuff. TV networks will just put on behind the scenes programs for films that are coming out as part of the marketing budget. I would love to have like behind the scenes of 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 some of my favorite games. Like I'd pay Yeah, there's a there's a really good uh YouTube channel called Noclip. Um if anyone's listening to this and they're really into like games development and they're interested in if you've got this how far. games are made. Yeah, he Yeah, if you've gotten this far. Um <laughs> Yeah, he makes uh, video game documentaries um, just from his Patreon. He used to work at um, GameSpot. He was a journalist over there, and then he quit. Uh, made a uh, new company. Uh, they're on Patreon called NoClip. Uh, it's Daniel Dwyer. Really, really, really cool guy. Uh, he does a load of stuff with Bethesda. He, he did a really good uh, Doom documentary, how that was made, the new mm. Doom, the 2016 version. Yeah. Incredible. Like, Really recommend checking them out. I've heard some good stories around that because there's some good stories that bubble up through the press about video games oh, yeah. being made. And you think, wow, that would be good to have a bit of a, you know, fly on the wall situation there and 
and see what would happen. So I think yeah, it's a shame because like we like the way games are made. Like often they're they're actually made in a really positive sense. Like everyone's excited about them. They're they're really enjoyable to make. But the only things that sort of bubble up to the surface now, like within the games press, is like the negative stories of how mm. games are made sometimes, yeah. which is a shame. I think we need to sort of balance that out a little bit if we can, because mm. it's not actually like that. Like when, like as someone that works on games, like I don't like all this negativity that's constantly cropping up about like uh, abuse and, and um, you know, like crunch and all this sort of stuff and how people are treated. And it's not like that at all. Like, yeah. The you're majority going, of the time. What? Like you're looking around going, yeah, it's not like, I can't yeah, see right. any. <laughs> it's bananas to me because, like, most of the time I'm having a blast. Mm. And so are the people around me. Uh, like, people that are apparently victims of all this sort of stuff, they're having a blast too. But then these odd stories come up, and, and that's that's what gets all the folks, rightfully so. Like, if it's a really negative story, like, it needs the attention. Yeah. But it would just be, it would be nice to see, like, the positive sides of these things as well. So people mm. know that it isn't just like this hellhole where we're all, like, getting whipped at our desks to, like, finish our last drawing before we, you know, we go home at 2 a.m. Like, it's not like that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's strange to me, you know? Yeah. Um, so with our so, timing at the moment, how are we for time? And what should we, should we do the Ghost of Tsushima and the BAFTA and then wrap up in terms of time? What do you think? Sure, we can do. And I think we can come to your your story next time. Sure. Does that does that sound good? Yeah, no, I'm cool with that. Cool. Because how long have we been going now? Uh, an hour. Okay. Almost. So yeah, uh, that sounds pretty good to me. What about you? Because yeah, this is the thing the, the the Assassin's Creed Japan saga story. Uh, it, you know, it happened years ago, so it's not current. <laughs> this is true. We can talk about that whenever. In other we can words, talk right? about it whenever. But yeah. Right. But this, on a slow week. On the slow week. But there's been a lot of news. Like the next thing, the Ghost of um, Tsushima sells 6.5 million copies mm-hmm. and nearly half have finished the game. Yep. And there's also a movie coming out for Indeed. Ghost of Tsushima, which means there'll probably be a sequel because there's money in it. I would be amazed, absolutely astounded, if there was no sequel to Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. I mean, if there is, if that game isn't already in development, then... I'll give you every penny I've got. Yeah, I'm telling you, that game is getting made. That has legs because the world has legs. Yeah. The story, the the character, you know, it doesn't need to be on Tsushima. It can be mainland. Dude, it the fact that if you, it, I read a lot of history. I'm a weirdo, right? So I read a lot of like I'm reading a, a Japanese history book right now, and after the invasion of uh, Tsushima, mm-hmm. like they try again in like three years' time. No way. Like, three years, you couldn't make this show. No way. And, and they actually land on mainland Japan. They don't make it very far, and they get absolutely flattened again. Why? I'm not telling you. Was Spoilers. it a mysterious spirit ghost <laughs> no. that followed no, it's, their it's, plans? No, it's, it's pretty much the same thing that flaws every invasion, um, unless they're successful, which is weather. Um, yeah, so the, the ocean basically does a number on the, uh, the Mongol ships as they try and come over for the second time. Spoiler and alert. W- Right. Sorry, ruining Ghost of Shima 2. <laughs> That'd be a terrible video game. Yes, right. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the setup of a video game? Like, they're all they're all lined up there on the ridge with their horses, and then they just watch the fleet sink in the distance. Right. Yeah, and then yeah. Jingo's... They're all crying. Oh, well, that was... That's quite <laughs> underwhelming. Should we, we go home, then? Yeah, let's go home. Okay. Then that's, that's it. That's pretty then much what... The, the logo comes the, out, Ghost of Shima 2. Shishima 2. <laughs> then it's basically Ghost of Shima 1, though. 
like the uh, the first game, that's historically like historical events. Shishima Island was taken over really, really quickly within like a couple of weeks, mm. and then they tried to jump over to mainland Japan. Like from there is sort of like a launch pad mm. for the invasion of Japan. Just didn't work. They got absolutely flattened, and then the uh, what's called the Japanese army like pushed them off to Tsushima, and that was it. Mm. That was the end of it. It was it was a pretty quick affair. Absolutely terrible for like the residents of Tsushima, obviously. Mm. Um, an amazing story within the game itself. So, yeah, really, really well done. A lot of uh, a lot of liberties taken in terms of like who was there, like and the Khan and stuff like like the Khan wasn't there. Mm. You know, <laughs> it's, it, there's all this sort of stuff. But you know, that aside, creating sort of like the interest for the uh, the history of Japan, like it's it's what goes Tsushima one as we now know it. Um, does is just it's fantastic so, hope so I, yeah i hope that they do the same with the second one and yeah mainland japan like is the next thing that they could easily do yeah. and it, it could still be the ghost of tsushima because he is still the ghost of tsushima he's just yeah. he's not in tsushima anymore that's the only thing so you could totally call it ghost tsushima too you could you could he could still be of yeah because yeah that means where you've come from um I, you probably can't talk about insider knowledge and you might know and you might not know but what makes this interesting this headline is the fact that nearly half of the 6.5 million mm. so we're talking like you know 3.2 or something like that million people finished the actual campaign which i i which i understand is astoundingly high like huge number a right. percentage of people that have started to play the game that have finished it so what that means to me is that it's a really well-loved game people mm. bought it and liked it yeah not not and the fact that it sold really well so it sold really well it was really well received one of the fastest selling games on the whole console and nearly half the people played it all those things are just huge it's huge because it's an open world game i think that's what does it more than anything it's not because yes. if you've got like a if you've got a single player sort of fps or something you're yeah. literally you're just shooting three dudes and you're just yeah. going from one level to the next to the next to the next you hit the end you see the credits done yeah Ghost Tsushima, you can literally spend like 100 hours in that game, clearing all the stuff and getting through. And it takes a long time just to like play the story out. Yeah, it does. So inherently, the um, like open world games just tend to take longer or they just never get finished mm. because people get their enjoyment out of them for whatever reason. I mean, it's kind of like when um, when we were kids, right? Did you ever finish a Grand Theft Auto game? Not well. Um, well, I would play through the main mission because I'm a weirdo and then I go back and do the right. side missions. But that's back when in the old days when you could do that. And yep. now you never know if you're going to get stung where you where you miss out on some side missions or something like that. And that's miss out on Yeah, some I things. mean, the reason why I say that is because like when I was a kid and we were playing um, Grand Theft Auto, I never knew anyone that finished it. No one. Really? Like every, everyone would just get into the open world, get enough abilities and get enough money to be able to play in the sandbox. Online, sort of yeah. Thing. Right. I'm a and weirdo that's... though. Yeah. I Yeah, you are you are pretty weird. Games. That's yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like taking that though, like the whole living out the uh sort of the samurai like sort of uh, fancy of going through and being in like a like a Kurosawa movie where you're like doing the shing and stuff like that. When, like when you can do all that sort of stuff, like once you fulfill that, you would think, oh yeah, that's when people start to drop off because they yeah. got what they, they wanted out of it. They don't want to do that over and over again. But I think Ghost of Shima is really, really, really well um, sort of paced how they introduce yeah. you to, to, to new elements of the game as you go through. So it sort of keeps you going, even though it is an open world game. So 
I think it definitely had that going for it. So, yeah, really doesn't surprise me that over half or almost half or just under half, I can't remember how much it was, mm. of these 6.5 million players that have played the game have finished it. I Incredible think there was, news. There were certain, certain things that resonated with, with a lot of people that made them want to complete the game. So, for example... Absolutely. Some people really love the, like, I love lots of stuff there, but the things, the noteworthy things for me is like the music, like the, the pipe songs that you could play. You'd need to go around collecting the crickets, which means you need to explore the whole map, which means you need to complete the game. Mm. Same thing for the armor sets, and they were beautiful, and they did different things that actually affected the game, which is very rare for an open world game. You'd have to complete the main campaign to make sure that you've unlocked the whole island to be able to do it all. Same thing for just the scenery, like, you know that from one side of the main island to the other, it looks completely different. And it stands to reason that the other side of the island and stuff. So like the actual geography of, of Tsushima as well, I think plays a part in the fact that it's Absolutely. so many people have completed it because I wanted to see everything. And then when it started to get a bit snowy, I was like, well, how far does this go? How snowy does it get? And I yeah. wanted to, it, there were so many drivers, like they nailed so many different aspects of an open world game that some games will, you know, be well received if they do one or two really well and then some are clunky it doesn't matter people used to just skate over that stuff i think this is the first time that a huge number of things you could talk about on a podcast like this mm. that are noteworthy and standoutable and mentionable are all drivers for for people to 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 complete the game that's for me is i think one of the main yeah, reasons absolutely. Is i mean sushima was i think that was my game of the year last year um I, yeah, I could play that game mine. over and over again. I, I need to, now that I've got a PS5, like I want to play it again, just purely because it's got 60 FPS and, and going through that game again, I'm quite happy to do. Yes. So, yeah. Um, I still haven't played the online mode either. So I've got, I got still a lot have to play them. for. I still haven't. Yeah. Can we, can, we, can we play online together? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's cross-gen. It's cross-gen cross anyway. Yeah, I think so. Well, there we go then. That's, that's it's got to be. Sorted. It's got to be, right? It should be. If, if it's it not, isn't, then there will really be riots. Bad. Yeah, we will talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. That'll be a point of contention next week. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah incredible game. That. Like, it doesn't surprise me that people are playing it. And it's interesting that they're making a movie on it. Like, that's the only thing that was, like, sort of stood out this week, like, in terms of, like, Tsushima news. <laughs> was it's, the, uh, yeah. yeah, it's the director of uh, the John Wick movies is going to be taking on the project. That which is good yeah it does sound good right that sounds a bit but too good to be true every single video game movie, movie that gets released has got this hype beginning with it because you think oh well i don't know if it's like for you for you but for me i start writing a story i start writing a script in my mind i go they could do this storyline they could pull this thread they can use these elements if i was writing i could you know sometimes i go i, I should just write the script and send it to them because i could do a better job half the time <laughs> like assassin's creed i could write a better script for the assassin's creed movie yeah anyone could it was terrible i could probably i would <laughs> probably honest. write a good um i would like to write a series for assassin's creed i think that'd make a great tv show yeah i think this is the this is the part where it sort of uh, ventures into where it could get good is the the series aspect of this like mm. if you if you give the room to breathe for a video game series it can be done really well because there are so many nuanced things which you find in a game and that's why gamers are often disappointed when they go and see a video game movie mm. is because it's just not 
as nuanced as the game. Like there's a lot of lore and, and stuff like little tidbits, which you take away from a game that you sort of remember. And that's the reason why it stays good in your head is because of them experiences. Yeah. And they just can't pack all that in for a film. They yeah. just can't like yeah. for a three act structure of a movie, like it's impossible to get all that stuff in. So it always mm. suffers for one reason or another. So a series like something like the Witcher is just like the perfect example of how they can do this. Yes. And it makes me excited for the last of us series. It makes me excited for something. Yes for Ghost of Tsushima, but Tsushima is an interesting one because it is a movie. It's not a series. Yeah. So it, it could fall flat on its face for that. But the, the main the main concern that I have for it really, other than, like I've got pure excitement for it. it like I'm sure it'll be great. Mm. But the, the main concern which I have, which is sort of holding me back from being all in on it is the fact that it is a movie that is based on a game and the game was based on a load of movies. You know, so it's like it's gone through this weird sort of filter yeah. of, of style. Like, so are we just going to get like a, a colored version of like a Kurosawa movie? You know, like that's is that what we're going to get? Because if that's what we're going to get, that could be amazing. You know, that could be great in its own right. Could but be. But if it's if, right, it could, it could also be. butcher it. That's the thing. Because you so. just need the timing to be just off slightly mm. or the or the cinema photography to just not nail it to try yeah. it's very ambitious like if uh, it's yeah. it's one of those things where I th- it could be amazing and it could be terrible terrible yeah and yeah. it just yeah. depends and I, it doesn't matter how much money you throw at it it doesn't matter what type of script right you've got they just need to it, it just you just don't know you can't back it like if i was an investor and i had all the money in the world i read the script and that still wouldn't convince me i would need to like see the film and then I would go, no, I'm not going to invest in this film. <laughs> yeah. And that's I probably mean, what happened. Stepping back and looking at the game and looking at the structure, like I'm not going to spoil it on the podcast in case someone's like listening to this, but um, like the structure of the actual game itself, like would actually work quite well for a film. That's the only thing. Um, so, because yeah. if, if you just remove, like if you look at Ghost of Shimmer as a game and you just remove like all of the fighting and all of the, like just riding around looking through, like, galloping through the like the amazing landscapes that are going by like oh my god look how good that grass looks you know because that's basically what you're doing 90 percent of the time right yeah you have a killing a dude or you're looking at grass which is <laughs> like sounds boring but it's chasing amazing. foxes like, right exactly and you're following foxes around everywhere for no reason beyond any measure other than looking for shrines and so you can bow at a shrine it's, right which is <laughs> good um but if you remove all that there's actually like quite a like there's a good spine of a story there that they could put into a film and I think if, if they follow that and stay true to that and don't be too precious about the historical accuracy of it, because I think that is what is probably going to bog it down more than anything. If they stick to the sort of the fantasy of like the, the samurai and stuff like that, mm. then it'll be good. But if they try to go too historical with it and that that's coming from like a history, not yeah. if they get, if they get too historical with this, like it, it could fall flat on its face. That's the only thing. I think that's one of the things that was received that I heard that was received in Asia and in the West. And no, it wasn't received well in the West, but was received well in Asia. Like they yep. didn't really care that it wasn't historically accurate and they just liked what the content was. And in the West, people were almost being too cautious, like, oh, this is this this isn't true to the proper they didn't have these swords. It wasn't called a katana, it was called something else. And it was slightly slightly more or less curved yep. and they didn't get the curve right on the sword and all this yeah, sort of I mean, stuff. And this, like, you wouldn't change the armor. You'd never change the armor. That's a disgrace. This sort of stuff. 
Like yeah, the yeah. West had there's problems just, with it. There's so many. Yeah, the West it was we, I, I find this a lot because obviously I work at Ubisoft in Montreal. We deal with Assassin's Creed and we deal with what I've come to call not like this isn't like an Ubisoft thing, but like just as being a history note and reading stuff online, I call them rivet counters. These people that are just absolutely obsessed with historical accuracy. Mm. And if it's not perfect, then they freak out and they're just like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not consuming this piece of media. Mm. And I've got the, I've got this whole sort of mindset of you have to make it interesting to people that are consuming this stuff so then they like there's people like me that will i will read goes I, I will play ghost tsushima and be like all right that's amazing i'm now going to read five history books on japanese history yeah and that's where i get the real information from yes um and people are getting angry at the the first point of contact which is the ghost tsushima or they get angry at something like assassin's creed yeah. like oh like assassin's creed 3 isn't very like accurate towards the revolutionary war and all these famous figures keep randomly showing up and stuff and it's like yeah of course it's nonsense like we understand that but yeah. if it creates that first entry point for like interest for a piece of history then it's great because i don't think because... anyone read a history book after playing assassin's creed 3 I did. You did. I read three books on uh, the American Revolutionary War. I now know more about the Revolutionary War than my American wife, which is hilarious. <laughs> Goes through some good conversations. But yeah, I, I am one of them people. So yeah, it's just, it, it's one of the things. I've learned more from watching The West Wing, funnily enough. <laughs> watching The West yeah. Wing, I'm learning a lot about how America was formed and the politics and all that sort of stuff. It's all to do with... Fascinating yeah. stuff. It's yeah, the, rev the Revolutionary War is like really, it's an interesting time. It's filled with really great characters. And I I don't mean characters and like wacky characters or anything, but I mean just like historical sort of milestones of people. It, they're just, yeah, they're crazy. Like a good period of time. I recommend anyone read a book on the American Revolution. Like it's a fascinating yeah. period. It's funny that we don't get that in the UK schools. Propaganda system, man. Where it's like, why would you teach the, the losers? You know, good point, and and also we've got a lot of history to get through, and they don't. Have yeah, that that's true. yeah, <laughs> got a few uh, colonies to answer for, which yeah. is yeah, yeah, yeah. Tread lightly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is like I always make fun of it because like at Ubisoft, I'm always like bitching about the fact that like oh we're killing British people again in another Assassin's Creed game. What are the odds? You know, like, it's just why why are we always getting killed? And it's like, well, you were kind of dicks to the rest of the world for a while, so we've got to get our comeuppance. And it's like, all right, fine. For most of the time that you had history, yeah, take your take your talking to. That's so, that's the yeah. way I. And that's interesting though that I mean, with the whole Assassin's Creed and Ubisoft and stuff, because they always have in the disclaimer: this content was created by. Yeah, lots of religious, people. multicultural yeah. people and several religious views. Which but is true. Absolutely They still true. don't go as far as doing Assassin's Creed Japan. Yeah. Which we haven't talked online. about. We'll talk about, hopefully we'll get some time. Uh, I found the trope. We found the trope of the podcast. We never actually get around to talking about it. <laughs> Episode 986. Episode 986. Next week, we'll Maybe talk next about week. Assassin's Creed Japan. Um, but yeah, because there's been a lot of news about Ubisoft not making that game, yeah. but Ghost of Tsushima did, and they nailed it. And now Ubisoft kind of can't ever make that game. That's that's pretty much where I've landed on it as well. I don't think it'll ever get made. Not because they don't want to. I think it's just they had their time. They blew it. 
because they didn't make it and Ghost Tsushima just like Sucker Punch came in and said, all right, if you're not going to do it, you've had plenty of opportunities. Yeah. You're not going to do it. We're going to do it and we're going to do it well. And they did. Yeah. And they smashed it. It was my game of the year and I work at Ubisoft in Montreal. So <laughs> if it's not, if, if that's not a good like sort of outcome for all of this, I mean, yeah. we all got an Assassin's Creed game set in Japan. It just isn't called Assassin's Creed Japan or yeah. anything. It's just, it's called the Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. Because as much credit as I give to Sucker Punch and the Ghost of Tsushima, a good 75% of that game is lifted from Assassin's Creed. Yeah. It doesn't matter how you square it. It's sort of the truth. And if it had been done badly, then they would have gotten a lot of flack for that. But yes. the fact that they did it so damn well, it's kind of hard to be mad at them. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, you did steal a lot from Ubisoft, but at the same time, well it's done. so well done yeah. that you can't, you can't be mad at it. You just yeah. can't. And the one thing yeah. for me that would make that game almost perfect is if you, mm. when you land on a horse from a cliff, if you jumped yeah. on the horse's saddle, like you do in um, Red Dead Redemption 2. I th- uh, yeah, I think Ghost of Shima 2 is just going to go if balls you can, balls on that stuff. If you can land in the saddle from a cliff on the horse right. and Ghost of Tsushima 2, that's it. Right. That's, that's when you go, all right, end it now. <laughs> PlayStation wins. Right. And oh, Xbox is there with Steam going, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I, that's the main, like, if, if there's ever a reason to buy a PlayStation 5, it would just be to get Ghost of Tsushima 2. Yeah. Um, it's going to come. Like, anyone that's even questioning that game isn't coming. It's it's coming. Like, yeah. anything that sells that much, that quickly, is it's got green lit, even if they don't want to work on it. It's It's coming. They squeezed every ounce of that out of the PlayStation Four, mm-hmm. um, for Ghost of Tsushima. And if if they're working on it now, you're talking mid generation that it'll be coming out. Yeah, I would say twenty twenty four, twenty five. Mm. I would say it takes about five years to make a game uh, from scratch. If it's a new IP, it takes six. If mm. it's a if it's a sequel, then it can take four to five. It depends. I, I would say five years for this one because it's a new generation. Mm-hmm. And they've got to deal with all of that before mm. they can really get running with it. But yeah, I would say 24, 25. What if they go down the Last of Us 2 route and everyone's expectations just get blown out of the water and half the people, love, well, it depends who you believe. Half the people love it, half the people hate it. 10% of the people hate it. 90% of the people love it. I don't, I don't know if they could do that. I mean, even if they, like, even if you got five minutes into the Ghost of Tsushima 2 and, and Jin Takai was, was killed, you know? Like, it'd still be a great game. Because that game is, like, the, the main reason why people love Ghost of Tsushima is not so much of the story, which is a good story, don't get me wrong. I love the story. But the main reason, the main driver for that game is the gameplay. Like, how you're, you're fighting with the with the katana and, and like, how, like, the, the landscape changes and how you move through stuff and just like the just the scenery going by and all the abilities and stuff that's the thing that makes it fun mm. whereas the last of us sort of has the opposite problem of the reason why the last of us is held up in such high regard is because of the the great story of the first game mm. and like everything sort of rests on that mm. so I, I i don't know like how much they could mess up basically as long as they as long as they keep the core gameplay and goes to shima 2 it doesn't really matter who who is the main character or who isn't like for all I know, Ghost of Tsushima two comes out and it's a it's a new main character. New main know? character, and why not? Yeah, if they were able to to tick all the boxes again and just have next gen graphics, I don't even know what that would look like. Amazing! Like if you go and look at the concept art for um, Ghost of Tsushima, like yeah. some of the best in the industry, in my opinion. 
Yeah. Um, they look like photos. Like they're just, they're incredible. Uh, go look at the concept out for that stuff. That would give you an idea for how good it could look. So hopefully that's, that's what we got. I reckon they can't really do it on the island again. No, I don't think so either. Just thinking about like the first one and if they did a second one, because you're in a new generation of console, would they remodel the island again? It already exists. It's already geographical exactly. location. And the, the problem which they, in a good way as well, like for the first game, when you're traveling through the island, like you sort of start off in like one season. And by the time you get up to the North Island, you end up in winter. Mm-hmm. And you you see like the changes as you go up, like you get to one region, the section of the island, and it's, it's all autumn-esque. And like all the maple leaves are red in the fall and then in the next section it's all everything's beautiful and green like it's the middle of summer and then you get mm-hmm. to the north and it's all snow and winter so they can't even change the the climate because like all you're doing is just flipping the island around or something and i, I don't know what the hell they could do so like the the next yeah. step would be to go to mainland japan mm-hmm. and have like a major city yeah next i, I just don't know what they use would do. The, i'm sure it's gonna be incredible use the crunching power of of the new gen to get more polygons in because a lot of it was spaced out which is why the loads were so quick because yeah. everything was really spaced out and the actual number of polygons on screen was quite low because a lot of it was like the grass and the bamboo and the leaves and mm. stuff is all diff- different to how you'd like a city would be lots of polygons and lots of surfaces and lots of textures and stuff i agree yeah no i'm i'm i'm, I'm excited either way whatever they bring as long as i can play a game where I feel like a like a Kudasawa like main character like I'm I'm happy with that I'll take it. Yeah, that mechanic was great, oh, so, so good. fun, so good. We should oh. start, we need to get online. We need to play it because yeah, yeah indeed, yeah, we should. Right, we'll do that. Um, should we do the quick bit of BAFTA before we wrap up? Sure. Yeah. So uh, the last bit of story was the uh, BAFTA awards have just happened in the UK, which is mm-hmm. uh, they they give little face masks to everyone, which are plated gold apparently, and. Uh, the nice little congratulation things. It's called an award. I'm joking, obviously. Everyone knows what the BAFTAs are. It's for <laughs> the last safety. It's to help, you know, <laughs> to stop spreading germs. See, there you go. It's whoever there deserves a mask the most gets the mask. Yeah. So uh, there were some awards given out. Um, which do you want to run through? Um, which part do you want to talk about? Uh, so the main, for me, the main takeaway was that The Last of Us 2 didn't clean up where they have been cleaning up. I'll just whiz through who won what. Okay. Um, the Last of Us Part 2 won uh, animation. Hades won artistic achievement. That's fair. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima won audio achievement, which I think <sighs> is fair. The audio is That's great. fair, but they, they deserve more. <laughs> Hades won best game, hmm. which is interesting. Um, Sackboy won a big... Uh, Sackboy Big Adventure won British game. Uh, Carrion, which is one that I've not heard of, won right. best debut I game. I this. Best debut, okay. Sea of Thieves won uh, evolving game, so with the updates and stuff. So that sounds great. I've heard there's some big, big changes they've done. Uh, Sackboy Big Adventure won family. Hades won games design, which is interesting. Um, Animal Crossing New Horizons uh, game beyond entertainment, so the community aspect of that, I guess. Mm. Uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons multiplayer Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales music which is interesting that Ghost didn't win that yeah I mean I've just played Miles Morales I don't remember the music it didn't really hit that hard that's interesting I don't know it's the best yeah no I don't agree with that like no offense to Miles Morales it's a great game maybe they were like 
Wait, we need Spider-Man to win something, guys. <laughs> yeah, tell that to the uh, tell that to 2016 when Horizon Zero Dawn didn't win anything but got nominated for a load of stuff. Did I'm still not? angry about that. No, like in during the Game Awards it didn't win in 2016. I don't think so. So like go go and check like the I'll list check. of like all the nominees and all the winners uh, from 20 uh, 26. 2017, you're right. Yeah. So uh, 2017, uh, for all the nominees, like Horizon just shows up over and over, over again. And, over again. Just and then matter. just does not win. Bell, I don't think it won one award during the Game Awards. And I was livid because it was like my game of the year. And I was like, I platinum this game. It's going to win all the awards. It's going to be amazing. And then just Breath of the Wild swept through and took everything. Right. And just robbed them. Absolutely robbed them. Oh, I was I was not a happy guy. I would but, need to play, I would need to play both to, to properly. I hadn't at the time, to be fair, but I can ah. I can see I can see like the the content pros to both, but I still think Horizon Edge should have got should have got something. Uh, it should have got something. It was painful, but anyway, go on. Uh, Hades one narrative. Uh, I've heard this. That's good. I've um, heard so many good things about this game. I need to pick yeah, it up. I need to play it. Uh, Kentucky Route Zero one TV edition original property. I've heard good things about that as well. That's an award, I guess. Uh, Laura Bailey won performer in a leading role. She was yeah. great. Yeah, she was. Absolutely flawless. Um, Logan Cunningham, performer in a supporting role. That's in Hades. Right. Game's still um, played. Dreams won technical achievement. Fair enough. That's fair. I played yeah. a lot of Dreams last year, and it just astounds me what people are like being able to achieve in that game. It's it, just what well, I call it a game. It's a game engine, basically. Yeah. It, and what people are recreating in that thing is just, yeah, it blows my mind. So, I've seen yeah. this. Uh, what was it? It's um, War of the Worlds, like remake, like the film, the Tom Cruise film. Someone's made like a game where there's like the tripods from from War of the Worlds. Crazy. Going mental, <laughs> and it looked. It just looks crazy. I don't know how they yeah. did it. Uh, the Last of Us Part Two won EE Game of the Year, which is voted for by by the public. Right. So it didn't win. It didn't game. win actual game of the year. It didn't win actual game. Right. It's like player's choice did. sort of thing. Right. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, Ghost of Tsushima, Tsushima won audio achievement, but didn't win best music. Miles Morales won best music. Right. But yeah, apart from that, that sounds most of that sounds kind of fair. The interesting thing is, yeah, um, The Last of Us Part Two didn't win much. Yeah, it's been cleaning up ever, everywhere else. That is interesting. I mean, because the thing that I, I'm always hesitant with, like I, I love the fact that they have like player choice awards for these things because they are important. I think like the the player's voice because people like it's not a critic's choice sort of thing, right? It's not just journalists. Mm-hmm getting together and saying well like putting their hats and smoking out their pipes or whatever like oh i think this game should win you know for whatever reason you know it's actual players playing the games that are choosing this sort of stuff yeah i like that fact but at the same time i know as well like seeing how people vote in these games like with a community like the last of us i'm sure not say away from the fact i'm sure like the community like did actually choose this game Mm. in all respect it's just the community of the last of us is so sort of vocal right and they're super entrenched that the second that they even say oh this is going to be a player voted thing they're like like it it goes wildfire and everyone's like okay we're on it click and like everyone everyone votes on it and i just don't know if the other games have a fair shot at that because they just might not have the 
like the the bulk of like a a player base to yeah. be able to do that. Something like an indie game like Hades, while an amazingly like critically received game, yeah. everyone's loving it. Does it have the same player count as some of like The Last of Us? So is it fair? that they can really say, okay, like players decide in this respect. They're not just like randomly picking players out. It's just going to the website and check it and you can pull up your entire communities of like hundreds of thousands of players and mm. they can all click it as well. Like, I, I just don't know if that's like truly fair. That's the only thing that I would question about all of this. But yeah, it is interesting, like out of the main awards, like actually awarded by the Academy. Yeah. Like they didn't, they didn't like recognize it as much as other, as other award shows. As other awards. And other awards obviously have a similar thing to BAFTAs, which is from the people yep. from the industry that are on a panel and they choose and they get mm-hmm. in a room and have discussions and they pitch. And then other award ceremonies, it's all popular choice and other, or, and other ceremonies, it's closed doors. So you have, you know, you, you, it's a, it has to be a somewhat biased sure. uh, opinion. Every, every award ceremony that I'm aware of has a mixture of people from different places, but yeah you that's why they're all so different and that's why no, that's why no two award results are the same a lot the, of the time they're very similar but they're never exactly the same yeah it's hard because it's all it's obviously subjective like mm. all of it like opinions are subjective like and, and different cultures and stuff so clearly from this like what we can gauge and from our opinions as well british people don't like the last of us part two apparently like the, the people <laughs> You know, but obviously that's wrong because the player choice. I'm British and I love this game. How dare you then? You, yeah. It's just, yeah. We do like, well, like, you know, hard letters to our, like, people. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a whole thing. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see, like, the differences between the BAFTAs and and some of, like, the Game Awards, which happens um, in December, obviously. But, yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Like, if they had it, for me... It comes down to how you interpret the word that's on the screen. Mm-hmm. Like for me, Last of Us Two, technical sound design, I think that would win. Indeed, like the fact that Last of Us Part Two didn't win art direction is yeah. interesting. Like yeah. that's that I would disagree with. I think that they should have gotten that because like the technical yeah. achievement behind the last of us part two is just, it's on par. Like I yeah. think like in terms of, if you're talking about triple A quality of a video game in 2020, like that game yeah. it should be just held up as like, that is, that's how you do it guys. That's, that's the goal. That's the benchmark. That's yeah. the gold standard sort of thing. And the fact that they didn't win that is so strange, but if they had, I, uh... I haven't played Hades. So, who knows? Yeah, true. I need to play Hades. We, that's yep. the other thing as well. People are as quick to have opinions that are so without sure playing the games. without playing the other games. I agree. And I, I will ne- I will go, I think this, but I'll never say for any certainty. Right? Yep. I'm definitely sure. If there was an award for single player um, single player campaign game, which manages to make me get lost in a snow blizzard and <laughs> be amazed that I got lost in is as like a single player there's no way back it's not it's not open world at all game mm. that would win that award that was just how did they do that how it's did they do that impressive i don't yeah. know maybe i'm just getting old i just don't know where i'm going maybe yeah you're just losing your sense of direction yeah just in general nothing to do with video games the video yeah. game's actually really easy no one else gets lost it's just you <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, you can't 
everyone can't get awards, can they? And they have to draw the line somewhere. And yeah, it's hard. I mean, the only different. way you can combat this and what I've been trying to do over the last few years, like sort of consciously, like every time, especially with the game awards, because I think that's like considered like the main thread of like that's that's the people's opinion because it's a worldwide thing almost. Um, with the when the game awards uh, nominees get announced, which they normally do like a few months earlier. Um, when they announced them, well, sorry, a few weeks earlier, when, when they announced the actual nominees, like I tried to play or hope that I have played all of them. And if I haven't, then I try and make a conscious effort to play them before the awards show. And then I can actually have like a decent opinion about it. Mm. And if, you know, and if it's, if it, if I, cause sometimes I do play another game and I'm like, okay, that got nominated. It must be decent. So I play it and I'm like, okay, this is actually better. Holy yeah. crap. Like, how did I miss this? And then yeah. that's a whole interesting other thing because you're sort of thinking, how did I miss this? Like with all mm. the media and how people are talking about it, why aren't people talking about it for X, Y, and Z? So yeah. it turns into this whole thing. So that's the only thing I can sort of suggest to people is when they announce the nominees for these things, go and play them if you can, if you I can used, afford it, obviously. I used to hate it when things would win that wasn't on the console I was on. Yeah. yeah and i think it's not fair it's not fair to have award ceremonies where someone can win that's not on a major console but then it comes down to where to draw the line like does nintendo not get a look in and you know they're not they're not getting a look in by the looks of it yeah i mean they they like they're they're normally cemented in in the game awards like oh this family game of the year like nintendo will win it like without a doubt i'm yeah. fair enough that's their that is their jam like mm. them not winning it is sort of weird sometimes Mm. so yeah i'm surprised that uh astrobot didn't get more this year which is the uh the the building game for the playstation 5 because yes. that i like it, I if it didn't things. have the if it didn't have any of the playstation branding you would have sworn this game was made by nintendo it's that good like it's really well done wow that is a so. pretty good thing and it was by who actually made it like what I'm not sure what um that is a good question. I, I wouldn't actually know. That's something I'll have to look up. There isn't just like a Sony team sitting around. No, to maybe. Just do I the mean there's there's been a few games. Yeah, there's been a few um Astrobot games now. So that wouldn't surprise mm. me either if there wasn't like a dedicated team for this. And if there mm. is, they need to be doing more. They need to do like well like thought out games that are actually like this is getting sold as a sixty dollar game because they're great. Like they're really yeah. amazing. It's kind of like even my wife she doesn't really play games she likes to watch a lot of games she's like a backseat gamer um, reviews too yeah right pretty much she picked up astrobot and she was she was having a blast with it she absolutely loved it wow and she cool. never plays games so that's if that's not an endorsement i don't know what isn't mm. so yeah but you couldn't imagine a games ceremony that just had open platform you know has to be on like xbox and playstation can yeah. imagine that could you or i mean they they do do that like every year there's there's like a playstation lonely awards and then they'll have but it's just not considered like the main awards sort of thing yeah because it's, it's obviously like it's obviously biased because xbox are gonna like give it to their first party titles instead of a third party if that yeah. makes sense so because they want to boost up their sales and so it's a lot of there's a lot of red tape that you sort of have to predict and on top of that like gamers just don't trust any of these either way like they constantly think they're all rigged or something, which the majority of them aren't, obviously. But yeah. it's you got to contend with the backlash of Twitter constantly saying, "Yes, the game awards are rigged." Yeah, yeah. Right. Is there anything um, from the uh, studio side of things when when you win awards? What is that like from in a studio? Is it like company email, like a birthday? 
Like, <laughs> congratulations, everyone! We won this award. There's some cake. In yeah, the, pretty uh, much. I mean, the first the first game that I worked on at Ubisoft in Montreal was um, Watch Dogs Legion, and we had a really good E3 that year, and we won like a a, a ton of E3 awards. And the way that the E3 awards used to work anyway, when it was physical, when they existed. used to, yeah, they used to walk around and go to the booths and and put the stickers on the booths themselves for what place they came in for from that outlet. So like from like IGN second place for game of the show or whatever, like you get one of those. And our booth was absolutely covered in these stickers for uh, game of the show, which was amazing. Like we had a really good E3 and just obviously that turned into like a whole company um like everyone's celebrating like we we obviously had a meeting and everyone was like cheering and clapping and stuff and it's and them things matter you know like for morale like when especially when you're working on a game that hasn't been released yet and it's mm. a 3 and people are talking about that sort of stuff while you're working on the sequel mm. and yeah like how getting awards like that is a huge morale boost so they they make a so a it lot, helps you a lot more the, of a difference than people think yeah in the short term like that celebratory thing but then also in the long term with it's like that's a good feeling. I'm going to chase that with the work yeah. that you do. People are actually excited about this thing. Like I, yeah. I wanna, I wanna do better, sort of thing. So yeah. So it does have an impact. That's I good. think it does. I mean, everyone's different. I mean, there's people in the studio that don't, that don't care. Obviously, I'm sure. Like, there's a couple of people here and there. It's like, yeah, we got an award. I don't care. Like, you could win game of the year, and all they're looking at is, are we getting a bonus, sort of thing. Yeah. There's, there's always going to be people like that, but yeah. I think the majority of people like really appreciate the fact when that sort of stuff gets recognized because it. It makes you want to do better, and that's the best. It's yeah. the best thing that you can do. I would love to win a games award. That for me, that's when that would be the like, ultimate. That's just yeah. like oh, I would like any any award. I wouldn't mind anything, like yeah. for a game that I made or was part of. I'd be like, oh, see, that's the next step. So step one is get on credits of game. Next step is Tick. win award for said game. Yeah, yeah. I need to move up from special thanks. <laughs> yeah, I've been on that list a couple of times, and yeah, yeah there's. There's always that moment like, oh, I wish I was in the dedicated sections. Yeah. But sometimes... No one knows who I am. Right. I, I think I was in a, <laughs> I was in a special thanks section for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which was like, oh, that stings a little. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, you, you did legit work for that. Right. I, that's just how it is. It, yeah. yeah, it depends what department you're in and what team you're working on and yeah. like and who you do the work for. And like, it's there's a lot of weird politics in video games, like uh, studios. So, it's, you know, stuff. it's a big video game and just figuring out so who's many people worked on what and did what and where hundreds and hundreds of people the list like across. on those assassin's creed games i don't know what it's like what the valhalla one is actually because i've finished it but they're huge aren't they so yeah. it's understandable that um it's not gonna be what's the word is accurate because yeah it's you not a concept right. artist on that game yeah there's content in there that that you drew with your hand yeah but you like if they if they don't know who you are or you're part of a different department or yeah. like you did like a short mandate for something and they don't quite know like yeah. what like they don't know how substantial the work was that you did like on Assassin's Creed Valhalla there's like probably like fifty different concept artists at some point or another through all the studios and through freelance and all that sort of stuff hmm. probably worked on that game but like when you're when the credits are going by you'll probably only see like a few names which are like the senior concept artists. Yeah. And then like there's the normal concept art is like further down the list somewhere else. And it's like it's just weird yeah. sort of like yeah, everyone's always like scrambling for where they're gonna be in the credits, but ultimately like no one cares. No one reads credits <laughs> other than just developers. The people that are in them. Right, exactly. 
But so it's the thing. It, it, it really me, doesn't make a difference. If I was compiling the list, I would just go around going, who's in what team now? And that is yeah. going to be on the game. It's like, well, I just yeah. started yesterday. You're on the, you're in the team. You're on the, this, that's it. Yeah. I'm just doing who's in the team now. Yeah. You know. I, but I it's, such, it's such a nebulous thing that moves though. Like when, like at the start of production, you'll only have like 10 people working on the game and in the middle of production and production year, what we call like the main bulk of the production, like once a game gets green lit and it's gone through like all of it and you're trying to get through like the alpha and beta stages of it. Mm. That like year and a half that you're working on that hardcore, mm. like you just blow out to like an astronomical amount of people, which it could be, it could be 200, it could be like up to a thousand people that are just working on the game hardcore over that year and a half. And then in the last year of production, like sort of like the last six months when everything's winding down, but the quality is starting to ramp up because you're like, you're polishing off the edges, you're closing the game, as they say. Mm. Like that last six months, like the team just shrinks down. It's like a really focused group of people Mm. trying to get the thing out. So like to like just... It's it's this weird sort of thing that grows and shrinks and moves and it yeah games production is just it's a whole kettle of fish you know yeah yes it's never it's never easy never, never. easy never yeah game is easy one day I'll win an award <laughs> that's on the list yeah me too Christ like one day one day and we'll play some ghosts indeed. Indeed. So uh, we should probably wrap this thing up. Yeah. So uh, thanks everyone for listening in. We really appreciate uh, you tuning in for a second episode. If, yeah. you, if you do like this and you can go back and listen to our episode one, or you can wait until next week if you're if you're patient enough for episode three. And yeah, yeah. Um, where can people find you, Chris? Uh, I'm on at Acrylic Pixel on, on Twitter and on YouTube. Cool. And you can find me. I am at Hillfort Games. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I share some of my concept out there as well as uh, indie development, just like Chris does. So uh, you can follow us over there or you can stick right here with us and we will see you in the next one. So yeah. see you in the next one. Bye. See you later. Bye bye.